0: Welcome back to Litcentric Radio, the podcast that's a literacy coach in your pocket. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Webb. Well, last week we had our first ever book giveaway here at Lecentric Radio, and we gave away a chair for my mother, which of course was featured in our last episode. And uh, I gave away a brand new copy of the book and the eccentric Radio Lesson That Matches. And our big winner was Amy from Texas. So congratulations to Amy. I've already been in touch with her and she knows her copy of a chair for my mother is already in the mail and she's already been given uh the lesson that matches so congratulations again and thank you to all of you who entered remember it was um easy entries to do on instagram or facebook the directions were on the post and hopefully we'll get to do one again very soon now in order for me to do more giveaways like this in the future um, I'm really going to need you to help spread a little love around for Litcentric Radio. So the other day, a teacher did something really simple. She shared one of my posts and commented that she loved the podcast. I didn't even realize how much I needed that little gesture, actually. You know, not only is it extremely helpful to the show, but those kind words really meant a lot. So I would really love to hear from you. I I love hearing from all of you on social media, and I could really use your help to spread the word about the show. So I'm asking you to make sure you follow it Centric on social media, whatever platform you like to use. And when you see a post about the show, if you could like it, share it, make a comment, I would really, really appreciate it. It's a way to spread the word about the show. And uh, it just helps get more eyes and ears on it. And hopefully we get some more listeners because that's what we're trying to do is help teachers to do a great job with their students and help improve reading and writing instruction and outcomes for kids. Now, speaking of great reading and writing instruction, I've got a great book to match that instruction today. And in today's episode, we're going to take a look at the genre of invitations. It may not be a genre that you think about much, but it actually really is a fun one for kids to explore. And we're going to do that with the text Going Up by Sherry J. Lee. Now, Going Up is a really straightforward story that seems kind of predictable and obvious, but there are plenty of little clues and surprises hidden throughout. And there's a nice surprise ending that I think kids will like. I like to use it to introduce the genre of invitations. Now, in a moment, we'll talk about um, how the book lends itself well to invitations, but I want to talk a little more generally about some of the key things you need to know uh, when students are learning about a new genre. Now, we all are pretty familiar with introducing a genre and talking about its format or structure or the components of it. Like if we're talking about a story, you might say, oh, there's a title and then there's characters and Um, you know, in the beginning. And then there's the setting and, you know, all those different pieces. And we talk about those things and kids do need to know about those things. But it's actually the immersion in a genre that truly makes a difference for kids understanding of that genre and their ability to write in that genre. Now, immersing students in the genre really means that providing a lot of modeling um, from the teacher, lots of mentor texts, so that students get a sense of what, um, you know, what that writing looks like when it's complete and lots of thinking and talking about um, the genre. So kids get really familiar with it and they actually start using the genre themselves. So it goes way beyond just the components or structure or parts of the genre or labeling those. We really have to get kids to be thinking and experiencing and talking about the genre to really get them to use it effectively. And actually in this immersion approach, We go way beyond structure. We dive into purpose and audience and language and using the genre for real purposes. I'm really passionate about genre study. I actually did my master's thesis on genre study for the primary grades because I knew it was an area that was really neglected um, at the time, particularly in our standards. Now that we have common core standards, that shift has happened and we're at least talking about it more and have some expectations around it for the kids in the younger grades and I know that that uh, focus is really helping students in upper elementary and beyond because they're getting more of a foundation for what different genres mean and, uh, and how they work and the purposes of those. And those are really, really important to improve students' reading comprehension, but also definitely improving their ability to write well. Now, invitations are a really fun genre to explore uh, for a few different reasons. One, they're a really low-risk genre. Because they're really easy to produce, they're really brief, and the structure is really straightforward. The components are really clear what needs to be there. And we can also actually explore inference and sinuation in writing in really fun ways. And we're going to talk about how you can do that with such a simple genre like invitations. So let's take a look at today's text, Going Up. Now, Sophie and her dad have been invited to a birthday party for someone named Olive. And we quickly realize it's a party in her apartment building, and many other neighbors have been invited too. And Sophie and her dad actually bake special cookies for the occasion, and then they hop on the elevator to the party that's all the way on the 10th floor. The elevator stops at every floor to let on their neighbors. So it's a diverse and inclusive cast of characters. And kids will actually really like to see what each neighbor brings to the party, and kind of watching them all squeeze into the elevator all at the same time. It gets kind of impossible at the end for all these different characters and people and animals to be squished in the elevator, but it's kind of fun. I think kids will get a kick out of it. And uh, they've actually finally reach the 10th floor and get into the birthday party. They kind of all spill into the room to wish Olive happy birthday. And we learn at that point that Olive is actually a dog. It's a poodle. So there's no indication in the text really that you know who Olive is or how old she's going to be or any of those kind of things. Um, there's just little subtle clues mostly hiding in the illustrations. And those clues are kind of sprinkled throughout throughout the text. So they're really subtle. They're not even on every page necessarily. But there is one thing that students will like to track for fun, that you may want to go back through the book with them afterwards. There's actually a little mischievous cat who makes an appearance at the very beginning of the book in Sophie and her dad's apartment. And then later on in the book, the cat appears a couple of times. And even at the very end, the cat shows up at the party and causes a little more mischief. So it's kind of a fun little thread throughout that doesn't necessarily enhance the general you know, comprehension of the piece. It's not necessarily tied to the plot, but it is fun to kind of uh, you know, track that cat and pick up on those little subtle clues. So our focus in our text-dependent questions for this text today are really about making inferences because we're going to tie that to uh, creating invitations where, as writers, we make certain insinuations that we want our readers to pick up on. And so we're going to balance that out by first making some inferences ourselves and then um, really helping our readers to make inferences of our writing. So in those questions, we're focusing on, you know, um, Drawing attention to details, often through the illustrations, as I mentioned, because that's where a lot of the clues are um, embedded. And uh, we learn about um, maybe the what's special about Sophie's cookies and what are some of the gifts the neighbors are bringing because there's some clues in there that reveal uh, that Olive is a dog and not a person. Now, not every single uh, present or anything is going to do that, but that's kind of the nice, subtle nature of it. And it gives kids um, a sense that they can be subtle, too. And early on in the book, it's actually, I think, on the second page when we're learning about Sophie and her dad and baking cookies for the party. We actually get to see in one of the illustrations. It's a full page illustration of the invitation that Sophie and her dad have received for Olive's party. And so that's where we get our first uh, example of the invitation genre in this book. Actually, it's the only example of this book, but we can use that as a springboard for um, um, immersing ourselves in a genre study about invitations. And uh, of course, we have to provide students with many more examples and not just invitations to birthday parties, but invitations to lots of different kinds of events. Uh, because they're really going to all have similar components, aren't they? They're going to have, you know, the who it's to and who it's from, you know, what the occasion's all about, where, where and when it takes place, all those basic elements, right? So that's what we really want kids to understand is what those elements are and then tie that into those bigger picture ideas of purpose and audience and, and then getting kids to infer. So we'll use that invitation example in the text to build our first bridge chart with students. And as you recall, every text that we feature on Litcentric Radio has a matching lesson to go with it that I've designed. And you can find those at letcentric.com in the shop tab. And there's a section in there specifically for Litcentric Radio. And uh, in those lessons, you'll find the text minute questions that I feature for each book and um, to really focus the dis- discussion that we want students to have as we read the text with them. Then we always have a bridge chart. And a bridge chart is a type of chart that we build actively with students to foster comprehension and bridge the gap between the reading that we're doing and the writing tasks that we want them to complete on their own. So the bridge chart we're creating with this text today is actually the first of many bridge charts, because remember, we want to immerse students in a genre. We don't want to just introduce it once and label the parts and then assume that students have, you know, this 360 degree understanding of what that genre is all about, much less expect them to then turn around and generate their own example of that genre. We really wanna make sure students are immersed over time and that we release responsibility over time by first showing models and modeling and doing shared writing with them and eventually asking students to try things out on their own. Now, with this bridge chart, we're gonna start with the example of the invitation that's actually in the text. And There's a couple of ways you can reproduce that. You could actually print it out, um, kind of blow it up on larger pieces of paper, and just, you know, make that your bridge chart. You could also, um, you know, trace it or something like that with your dot cam, something simple, or you can just generate it yourself. It's really not a difficult one to reproduce. It's mostly just text that you can write out yourself. It has a little simple frame around it, and then a little picture of a birthday cake at the bottom. So actually really easy to just generate pretty quickly. Um, but I would do that ahead of time so that you're not wasting time labeling all that in front of kids. That they just see it um, as a model on its own. And then the thinking of the discussion we're gonna do is actually using a set of uh, those sticky notes that come with the lesson. And these sticky notes actually have images Um, that will help students map onto the um, different components of the genre of invitations and help trigger their recalls that they understand the different components that need to be there. And also the purpose behind those components. And uh, when we stick those on the chart, we're also going to grab our marker and label them in front of students. So they get a sense of what those things actually are called and what they mean. And so for this uh, bridge chart. The is really straightforward. Um, it says who it's from, uh, their neighbor, Francesca, and then it's to Leonard and Sophie, so Sophie and her dad. So those are the first things that we see. And then it says, you're invited to Olive's birthday party. And of course, it doesn't say who Olive is, but we know later who Olive is. Then it says where, and it's the 10th floor party room, and when, Saturday from two to 4 p.m. And that's the basic invitation, including that little picture of the birthday cake. So what we're gonna do as students, is show them the invitation of the text and show how it matches the invitation on our bridge chart. Then we'll go ahead and print out the sticky notes. Um, I like to print them on different colors because color also activates students' memory better than black and white images does. We actually have research to show that. So anytime that I can do that and use those colors consistently, it's gonna help students generate that recall that I want to then just facilitate more independent work from them. So, uh, we're going to print out these sticky notes, and I would actually print out several copies of them because, again, we're going to immerse students in this genre. So I'm going to do the same type of bridge chart activity with multiple examples of invitations and not just birthday party invitations, right? I'm going to do invitations to lots of different types of events, maybe an example of an invitation to a professional conference or an invitation to a wedding or an invitation to a retirement party, right? There's all these different things that um, people invite people to, and the genre has a lot of consistency to it, as genres do, right? So that's what we want kids to understand, is that we need to understand what to expect from that genre, and then also how to produce it on our own, and that's when we really have a good understanding of how that genre works. So we're going to walk through this with kids and label these pieces with those uh, sticky notes. So one of the sticky notes has a couple people kind of dancing together on it, and that's our who sticky note. So I'm gonna have students look through the invitation with me and determine where it says who's hosting the event and who's invited because that should be somewhere in the invitation. Even if the invitation is just an email type of invitation or if somebody texts somebody an invitation, there's still expectations that we know who this is for and who's hosting. So once we locate that, we're going to stick that on the chart and label it, who's hosting, who's invited. The next sticky note is all about the purpose because every invitation, there's some type of event going on or you know, there's some purpose behind why you're getting together. And that image looks like a target with an arrow, you know, going towards the center because we're right on target with the purpose is really clear. So here we know the purpose is it's someone's birthday. So we're gonna stick that sticky note next to that section of the invitation. Another sticky note has the image of a little house or a building on it. And that just signifies the location. And instead of using the word place, I'm actually going to use the word location because that's just going to up the vocabulary and academic language for my students. And it's a really easy thing to do. So make sure location's on there and we go ahead and stick that onto the section that says the location. In this case, the 10th floor party room. Now this next section actually has two sticky notes that I often use side by side because this information is usually combined. One of them is the time that the event starts and sometimes ends. And the other one is the date. So we have to know actually which day to show up, right? So the time sticky note has a clock on it, and the date sticky note looks like a calendar. And those two, like I said, I usually put them side by side because they're often um, that information is often included together on invitation. And here it says when on the invitation says Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. So that information all gets clumped together. So we list it that way on the sticky notes. And then the last one. The sticking out looks like um, a picture of like a mountain or something, and um, this is where we are going to see if the invitation has any images or special designs on it that also um, indicate either the style of the event or the purpose of the event, something like that. So if you think about when you see a birthday birthday party invitation for like a five-year-old, and then side by side. Uh, you put next to an invitation to someone's wedding, the style and the images and even the text style on those invitations are not going to be the same, are they? So I want students to pick up on images and design because often those play into who's hosting or who's invited, the purpose behind it, sometimes even the location. In this case, um, because at the birthday party, we've got a birthday cake on there. And so that image, again, ties into all those things and helps communicate to the reader what's going on with this invitation. So once we've actually stuck all those on there and labeled them, again, maybe the next day, we're going to look at some more examples of invitations. And you can do this a few different ways. Um, I might actually do, it depends on the age level of your students and how much they can handle, but I might actually do another quick. Um, bridge chart with them in a very similar fashion using a different example of an invitation. Um, I might use another birthday party invitation or I might just jump to a totally different type of invitation. Um, But I'll print out those sticky notes again and we'll go ahead and label it again so we get a sense of how this genre works. From there, again, immersing kids in more invitations Um, I might actually pass out different types of invitations and have students label these with a partner and see if they're coming up with similar similar features and things and get an understanding of how this goes together. Once they have some of that, you can actually jump into writing because this is not a very difficult genre for kids to duplicate. There's not a lot of writing to do, right? So again, it's low risk. A lot of your at-risk students will jump on this chance. And the nice thing is, too, is that because it's an invitation, we are not even looking for complete sentences, and we're not even looking for sophisticated punctuation either. A lot of times, there's very little punctuation going on in an invitation. So some of those kind of, you know, burdens that writers have that they have to be responsible for that often kind of, you know, make writing not as fun for some kids, we're really lifting that off their shoulders because the expectation is there's not a lot going on with that, and they can just do some of the writing and thinking and language play that we want them to do. So in the writing task, we're gonna ask them about hosting a special event and ask them to design the invitation that goes along with it. And then we'll go ahead and take a look at, um, we'll analyze those together as a group and take a look at those examples that our students produce. And I'm gonna get on my soapbox here for just a minute. (laughs) Hopefully you don't think I'm preaching to you all the time, but. I do want to say that I think this is a good example of a pretty simple kind of, you know, springboard for writing, a really simple way to jump off from, um, you know, something happening in a text and getting students to produce writing on their own. It doesn't mean that, you know, it doesn't take some planning and some, you know, release of responsibility to students because that immersion really does matter. And we know research says that is really the way to go. But I want to show you really a difference here between setting kids up to be successful with additional literacy knowledge and applying that literacy knowledge in really valuable ways. What I see a lot of, um, I know I've said this before, but I see a lot of folks, um, especially on like Instagram is kind of one of the worst places to see this because it's so image heavy. I see it on teachers pay teachers. I see it on people's blogs all the time. Um, instead of actually building up students' literacy knowledge by discussing the text and um, really having rich experiences that help them apply this new knowledge, often what people are doing is maybe they're reading the text, maybe they're having a discussion, and then they're asking kids to do an art project based on it. And the art project, I rarely ever see one That again lifts students' literacy knowledge and understanding, and it has them apply that literacy knowledge and understanding. When you're having kids take a worksheet and you know cut it apart and glue it together and make a funny animal or make a character or whatever or make a picture from the story, like. Um, Like, don't let the pigeon drive the bus. The pigeon's cute, right? I mean, I understand wanting to do projects like that with kids. What I don't understand is taking our literacy time away to watch kids cut and paste something. If you want kids to do a cut and paste activity, make that an independent literacy center. You don't need to be there. (laughs) You don't need to witness that process. That's something that students can learn to do independently very quickly. Uh, Maybe if you have a parent volunteer, put them on that task if you really want somebody there to watch the kids. But don't take your precious teaching time and your classroom time, and especially that precious face-to-face time that a lot of us haven't had this year. Don't take that time and turn it into a cut-and-paste project. That is not advancing your students' literacy knowledge, and it's really not a good use of your instructional time. So those activities have a place. I just don't think they belong in your literacy block. So Stepping off my soapbox now. I hope that wasn't too painful for you. You feel free to disagree with me, uh, but I will die on that hill. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope that you get some good ideas from uh, today's activity. Going Up is a really cute book. I will say it is geared more towards the younger grades, um, but it is one that an upper grade student could actually read easily on their own and explore as well, especially in a, uh, maybe in a text set. So a collection of other texts that also talk about um, invitations, it could be kind of fun to use it that way. Now, don't forget, you got to spread a little love for Litcentric Radio this week. Go on social media. If you see a post about Litcentric Radio, well, first, you got to make sure you're following Litcentric, right? And plus, I want to hear from you, so please do. Um, but make sure if you see a post specifically about litcentric Radio, I post um, those. You know, every so often they're really obvious. It'll so say Litcentric Radio on it, and I'll have maybe the book that we feature, things like that. If you see that, please like it. Even better if you can share it and comment on it, because when you do those little simple things, it takes you what ten seconds to do that. And when you do that, all of a sudden, uh, your that post actually gets seen by so many other teachers. Because I know if you're like me. You've got tons of teacher friends on social media. That's almost exclusively who my friends are on social media. So um, if you like and comment and share something, so many more people see it, and that really helps the show. So I would appreciate you kind of spreading that little sugar around for me (laughs) this week. And don't forget... Tag me at LetCentric if you post something about the show on your own, or if there's something you learned from the show and you want to share it, please let me know by tagging me at LetCentric in there. I would love to see some of the things that you're working on with your students. All those things make uh, make it worth it when I get to hear from you. So we will see you next time. Have a great day at school.